1: This program was previously broadcast live on Love Sport Radio, so some items may be out of date. Phone-in elements of these shows are not available. But if you'd like to comment or give us feedback on our shows, you can tweet us at Lovesport Radio. For more podcasts or to listen live, visit lovesportradio.com. Alternatively, you can find this and other podcasts on iTunes or Spotify using the keyword Love Sport.
2: We go with Leeds United We're gonna give the boys a hand Stand up and sing for Leeds United They are the greatest in the land Every day we're all gonna say We love you Leeds Leeds
3: Leeds Oh, I tell you what, new year, new start. I think we're going <laughs> to we're gonna do that every time we start a Leeds show now. We're going to get John McKenzie just introing the show with a bit of a stereotypical Leeds, Leeds, Leeds. <laughs> well, this is, of course, if you weren't already aware, the Leeds United Fan Show here on Love Sport. We're back for 2020. Same time, same place here at Love Sport on a Friday at 8 p.m. through to 9 p.m. It's me, Matt Beadle, with... John, like I said, from all starts, aren't we? Hello, John. Hello. Have you had a good, nice festive period? Yeah, You're it was back? Lovely. Yeah. yeah. Well We're going to get into that, to be fair, in a little bit. But we do have a debut today. We're at least a debut who? for when I've been here on the show, Mr. Rich Hurst. Now then, hi, Rich. <laughs> hi. How are you doing? I'm good. Are you well? Yeah,
2: I'm not too bad. Yeah, yeah. Great. Excited about being here with a few Leeds fans talking about football.
3: Absolutely. First impressions of our beautiful, shiny studio. <laughs> it's
2: fantastic. A bit small, but pretty
3: hey. good. All good things come in small packages, as they say. Now, gents, the last time we were here in this very studio, I believe, was just prior to the defeat to Fulham. We were looking ahead to that game, of course, after that draw against Cardiff. And John, you were slightly concerned about how the wheels came off in that game against Cardiff. And we were thinking, you know what? It's okay. We've always trusted the process. Hmm. And then. It did go a little bit awry. There was a great victory, of course, against Birmingham. What a game that was. You've been on the show, been on the station, I should say, since then talking about that particular game. It was followed up with the draw against West Brom and then, of course, the FA Cup defeat to Arsenal on Monday. But let's just do a bit of a festive recap, a bit of reflection on the games since we last spoke.
4: Yeah, it's been interesting, hasn't it? Because in many respects, you look back over December and you think it's not. This is not great. Um, we've not done the opening stat. One of my opening stats was that, you know. Oh crikey! I can't believe we're back in 2020.
3: We've already forgotten about it's the right. opening stat. But I... is... Do you know what? It's because I got I got handed a running order late doors. I didn't oh. I didn't have it in my head. I know. I saw. Right, it's all right, producer Paddy's pointing <laughs> at John McKenzie right here. I'd completely forgotten about the opening stat. I... Crikey, I've this got is got two, terrible. Actually. I've got two. Okay, please.
4: A good, good one and a bad one. What do you want? A good one or a bad one? well let's have both okay so the good one is uh, Pablo Hernandez is back this weekend Leeds have not been losing at any point in the league this season when Hernandez is on the field okay Excellent, which is pretty good. Uh the the second one which is the bad one which is what I wanted to come on to is we've conceded more goals in the period from the 14th of December to the 1st of January than we have in the rest of the season combined. So that's the Staggering. That's, that's basically the 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 legacy of December for us we, we conceded a lot of goals after having not uh, conceded many. So yeah, it was I think from that Cardiff uh, match onwards it was just a little bit of nerves uh, setting in on on in the defensive side of the game and we were just doing the thing that we do where we concede a, a lot of the the chances that we the good chances I guess that they that they created but um we looked this week on our podcast actually at the box shots cre- created by the opposition during December and um I think against um against Birmingham uh, and against Fulham and against um Cardiff we, we conceded about uh, over 40%, 50% in two of those games, but over 40% in the other one uh, of box shots, so shots that were taken in the box, which the league average is about 12 or 13. So we were just conceding everything that was going at our goal. Um, and, you know, that's happened before. But I think that comes from just a little bit of nervousness setting in. Um, once you throw away a 3-0 lead that would have given us 13 points clear of third place, and you think, you know, we're 3-0 up here, we're not going to give it away. And then you do give it away. I think the nerves creep in. And then we, we do, there's just been a few sort of defensive um, areas where we've been a little bit uh, shoddy in as well. Um, we miss a midfield as well. So we, we talked a lot on our on our recent podcast about how um, we rely on our midfield to get us out of, of of presses from the opposition. And when they don't do that, when we lose, lose the ball in tra- transition to attack, then your team is just structured in a in a way that's completely um inept for defending and so we we got munched a few times uh, like that. So I think the this the, the that's the negative side of things. The positive side of things is we came out at the end of December and we were in first place. Um and we'd had a, a better 10 game run in 40 game in 40 days or whatever that that Christmas period is than any other team in the championship. So it's one of those ones where you kind of feel we should have done better, but everyone else did worse than us, so um in the end it sort of worked out all right.
3: So, Rich, you did essentially go lost, drew, won, drew. I like to think that we're sort of back on the upward curve again yeah, now.
2: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, it, as John was just saying, you know, it was, it was a difficult run of fixtures in December and to come out with it with just one loss against Fulham is, is a pretty good run of form, I think. Um, you know, a couple of the weirdest results I've ever seen, you know, the, Car- the Cardiff game was unbelievable and then obviously Birmingham later on. So there's, there's some vulnerability there at the back um but yeah coming out on top of the league you know going into january is is perfect i think
3: is there any surprise amongst you that it did go that way like you said i mean that's stats i think that you conceded more over december than you had or was it an equal amount over december than you had yeah previously throughout so the, season? the first
4: 21 games we conceded 10 goals and i think in the four games after that first 21 we conceded 10 goals uh which is which is kind of crazy I, it, it was weird we, we we've talked about this before on, on all stats aren't we that it, it's odd how we were a Team who were actually very good defensively, and we were struggling to score, and we were were sort of eking out results to being a team that suddenly you just couldn't defend, but we seemed to be scoring quite a lot as well. So the whole tenor of the of the team just seemed to change overnight after that the Cardiff City game. And I think I think that's partly that's partly because of that of that um, psychological fragility. I think that there is something there. I don't like talking about psychology too much because it's really hard to it's really hard to um, quantify it. Um, but at the same time, you know those midfield problems that I mentioned. We've we've had since forshaw has been injured, since uh, Hernandez went out, since Jamie Shackleton's been injured. So it's just a combination of those two. And I think the sucker punch of of having that 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 sort of three nil becoming a three three, um, playing on your psychology, and the fact that we are already we're already, we were already uh, at bare bones in the midfield. Just they came together, and that's probably what what caused that change. Let's not forget as well that Pablo Hernandez was playing on the right wing, so he was and he was a bit more of a defender. Player, and since he's been gone, he's been playing in the well, just before he w- went, he was playing in the midfield area in the central midfield area, and so we had two out and out attacking wingers. And I think that probably led to our um, a little bit more um, defensive fragility and also caused us to score more goals so you know it's one of those things we talked about it before if you change something in the system there'll be an equal opposite reaction somewhere else so i think that's pretty much what happened so yeah i think there's there's maybe expectations that something like that was going to happen
3: okay well it finished or kind of i guess it it restarted the year it started really with the fa cup third round rich that was last monday and A decent performance from the boys, especially, and I know we talk about stats a lot on this particular show, when you look at the fact that Arsenal just one shot on target in that first half, 37.2 possession, I think a lot of your, not armchair football fans, but a lot of Premier League fans who perhaps hadn't seen a lot of Leeds this season, watched that game and thought, oh, OK, these guys play some decent football, they know exactly what they're doing, they're set up in a specific way under Bielsa, and they're making Arsenal look pretty average.
2: Yeah, I mean, going into the Arsenal game, the one question I had in my mind was, you know, potentially getting promoted this season, are we ready for that? Those those first 45 minutes proved that, you know, we've more than got the talent to compete against teams like Arsenal. We We fell apart a bit in the second half, but the first 45 minutes were just... Incredible, you know. I've, 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 it was fifteen fantastic shots, watch. fifteen
3: yeah. shots. I think that's the joint most that Arsenal have faced mm. throughout the entire
4: season. Fifteen yeah. shots and ten box shots as well. So it wasn't just speculative shots; these were shots that were in the box. And we, we like you said in the first half, we were causing them problems all over the place. Um, they, I think, with well, Arsenal, were sort of experimenting with with a, a, a weird sort of asymmetrical system. So they had they had sort of three centre backs. So they had Socrates, Holding, and and Louise, and then they had Kalazinac sort of playing as a as a left. Wing, uh, left wing back, yeah, um, and I think that that just left acres of space in the in the in Leeds's left-hand um, side, which is obviously when you've got someone like Jack Harrison um and and you you know we build up on the right and then try and spread play to the left so there was just loads of space to work with and in the second half i think arteta recognized that and he just pulled calaznich back and then played um socrates as a as a right back basically a a fairly standard right back and that just meant that there was much less space and i think you know yeah arsenal came out and they were a bit more solid in the second half they were playing a 4-2-3-1 in the second half which i think they're just they're just a bit more comfortable with and they just have better players but even still i think their goal was was potentially quite lucky they 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 yeah they didn't create that goal it w- it was created for them and it was bundled in a little bit and there weren't a huge amount of, of chances i thought uh, after that the or in that second half that really meant that they outcreated Leeds. i don't think so it was pretty i thought it was pretty even on paper and it was you know it was like you're saying it's just encouraging knowing that if we go into the premier league we will be able to give a good account of ourselves
2: Yeah, It seemed to suit our style of play, you know, the Championship is a tough division to get out of, it's it's tougher, more physical football, so maybe Bielsa's, Bielsa ball, you know, suits Premier League football, and uh, yeah, particularly the first 45 minutes, incredible.
3: Any disappointment at all about missing out on a trip to Bournemouth in the next round?
2: Definitely not. No, (laughs) you know the old phrase is, "Let's concentrate on the league." You know, we 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 made a good account of ourselves. um, A nice evening out in London for eight thousand fans, and uh, yeah, let's. You know, I think I think a lot of our promotion rivals have made it through to the fourth round, so you know, it's it's our on our advantage now that we're out the FA Cup in a in a strange way, but yeah.
3: Okay, well, we move on to a bit of transfer talk, gents. John, it is January. Eddie Inketia has moved on. Uh, your thoughts on this one Jack Clark as well of course he has returned to Spurs there's already talked about him going out on loan elsewhere and Ketia, I believe is on his way to Bristol City or has already made that move
4: I don't know if that's been confirmed yet there's been a few clubs that are interested in Enketia and I guess they'll go through the same process that they went with with Leeds where they'll sit down with the clubs and say give us your pitches and, and we'll pick the one that we like best I don't know if that's been confirmed yet um, unless something's come up in the last few hours that I haven't seen um, other than that yeah, I think Jack Clark's back. Um, we we have, I guess, we have four concerns in terms of the transfer market. One of them is obviously Stryker Now that Eddie K- Nketiah is gone, um, then there's the central midfield area that I think a lot of us were much more worried about, perhaps, before the news that Adam Forshaw is back in training. Um, however, loosely. Um, those are the two main ones, I think. Then obviously you need a winger to cover for um, for Jack Clark at, at some point. And there's there was news today actually that uh, Ian Paveda from Manchester City, who's played at uh, played at Barcelona, been at City, but who's at Brentford for a while as well, um, but has caps for the England youth system pretty much all the way through. Looks like a, a fairly exciting prospect. So he's been brought in for that. So they're obviously looking at a long longer term solution for that position. Uh, and then the final one is goalkeeper. Given that Kiko Garcia's, um Trial with the FA is still um, ongoing, and and the potential that we might lose him. But then we saw Ilan Meslier uh, play Made for a Arsenal. Made a good of account of himself. Didn't yeah, I? I mean you're the you're the goalkeeper keeping expert. I thought he was I thought he was excellent in almost every area, really. But did did you did you watch that game? Did you yeah,
3: yeah, absolutely. I thought he was very decent. However, I don't know. I, we like to do a, a an ex pro's sort of uh, analysis of Leeds on this show, Paul Robinson. So a qualified pro. For the fact that he played against, played four leads as well. He actually but not came the out.
4: But not the Paul Robinson. Sorry. Or was it the, goal, was the goalkeeper? The goalkeeper, yeah, Paul okay. Robinson, well, yeah, yeah. Which Paul Robinson do you think I meant? The, the, the left back. Oh, the left. The the...
3: <laughs> no, no, not him. The former goalkeeper, Paul Robinson. Score of two goals in his career, of mm. course. One Brilliant one in the League Cup yep. at Ellen Road. Um, but he said that he thinks, without a shadow of a doubt, Casillo should return right now. And uh, I don't know, I'm torn on this one because Casillo's been so good this season. I think it looks likely, doesn't it, that we've already discussed this, that maybe that ban is going to be upheld and he will miss out. In which case, get Meslier in now. Mm. Give him the experience. Get him on a decent run of games before he actually has to come in without mm. a shadow of a doubt.
4: Yeah, I guess there's a confidence issue there. If you, if you play him now before the ban's come in, you're saying, look, we believe in you even when when Kiko's available so whereas i guess if if he comes in when the ban comes in it sort of looks like well we're just making do of a bad situation but again there was news this week that we that Leeds are looking at Alia Caprila don't know if you know anything about him a Chievo goalkeeper um who's he's he's barely played he's 18 he's he's played 13 times in the primavera uno which is the the youth uh, league in in Serie A um, and it looks like he's coming through. So it looks as though they're doing the same thing that they did with, Mes- uh, with Meslier, as in bringing in an understudy and, and having confidence in the keeper that they've that they've brought in. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see see what happens in that regard. Okay, well we're going to continue this
3: transfer talk in a moment. Until we're also going to be speaking to Tom Carnduff a football journalist at Sporting Life. On this, the Leeds United fans show here on Love Sport
1: for the fans by the fans. Love Sport Radio.
3: It's the Leeds United fan show here on Love Sport. Me, Matt Beadle, with John McKenzie from All Stats, aren't we? And Rich Hurst here for his debut on the Leeds show. And I've got to say, I've just downed a delightful cornflake cluster <laughs> during those ads. It's not a Leeds United fan show, I must tell you, without John McKenzie bringing in a box of cornflake clusters. Actually,. We're going to have to start a rotor on this. You bring him on one week, and I'll bring him in another. And whoever the guest is, they can bring in one maybe as well. Maybe we could
4: just mix it up. I don't know. Maybe get flapjack. Actually, I don't even like flapjacks. So no, I'm, flapjack.
3: I quite like the cornflake clusters. To yeah, be they're right. They're high. an absolute delight. A lovely uh, pre show or mid show treat, I should say. And speaking of treats, <laughs> on the line now we have Tom Kanda, football journalist at Sporting Life, covering Leeds. Hello, Tom.
5: Hello. What, what a lovely intro. Thank you very much.
3: Not a problem, mate. Are you partial to a, a Cornflake Cluster? Uh,
5: yeah, I think if I was given the choice between the two, I'd probably go Cornflake Cluster over the over the flapjack, to be honest. Yeah,
3: sounds good. Sounds <laughs> nice. Good. Nice. OK.
4: Sounds like he doesn't like either of those uh, to me.
3: wants <laughs> a better offer? Well, there's a Rice crispy as well, isn't there? Those ones were quite good as well, weren't they? The old chocolate yeah, Rice crispy ones. Very true. Yeah. Very
4: true.
3: OK, well, let's talk a bit more football, shall we? Um, yeah. It's great having you on this evening, Tom. We were having a bit of transfer chat earlier on. A few names I want to float your way, to be fair. There's been a lot of talk about Shea Adams this week, the Southampton striker, of course, formerly with Birmingham. He's touted to be maybe on his way to Ellen Road. A few random ones as well, of course, Jared Bowen always in the Minx, forever linked with Leeds United. I saw Glenn Murray as well today. (laughs) John's laughing at that one. What can you tell us about the transfer activity thus far?
5: Yeah, it's the standard kind of championship team needs a striker here's some names that's us chuck <laughs> them out of it. Leeds are just one of quite a few Sheffield Wednesday are looking for one Nottingham Forest are quite aggressively trying to get one as well and you mentioned Glenn Murray it looks like he is actually off to Forest so pretty decent I think for, for them and what they want but by the tone of it by kind of what you've been reading by the kind of sounds at Southampton's end it's that Shea Adams as much as Ralph was coming out and saying he won't go he's not allowing him to go I don't think that's necessarily true. I would not be surprised at all to see him go. And if Southampton were very keen on keeping him, then frankly they wouldn't be in the transfer market looking for another striker at the moment. the The thing for them is having those numbers. Shea Adams wants to play football. He wants to get back scoring goals, and I'm sure Southampton want the same as well. So I really really would not be surprised to see Adams turn up at Leeds at some point in this window. I think the problem for Leeds will be it will be late in the window. It will be, you yeah. don't want that Dan James-esque saga, but it might timescale again. And is it worth the risk? That's a debate in itself, and it? it could all collapse. But if it does go through, absolute top-quality striker. And I, I just don't think Leeds are going to give up on this one. Whatever the, the manager's saying, whatever's kind of said about it, There is still a possibility, and the amount of clubs who have asked for him still are asking about it suggests that this is a transfer that could well happen um, this month, and he is a player who is available.
1: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role
0: you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host
3: oh are you still there tom i am hello Okay, we'll just move on just very quickly. We'll come back to Tom in a moment or two. Uh, Your thoughts on Chad Adams, fellas, because I'm not 100% convinced (coughs) of this. This is a player who, when Southampton signed him, I thought, okay, listen, he scores goals. But if I was... Well, he scored goals for, what, one one season solidly for Birmingham? I think you would have been better off going for a Jared Bowen, not just because of his season this season, but because he's consistently scored goals in the championship.
4: Yeah, I I, I think two things That one first thing would be is Jared Bowen an out and out striker We, yeah I don't think that he is I think he's obviously much better coming from a wide position um, he would probably fit in our team quite well but then you've got the issue who'd you drop uh, Harrison or Costa um, so, so there's that the other thing is that Whoever we do bring in is being played as a second fiddle to Patrick Bamford. So I think the reason why we're struggling to find someone or why why it's an, I'm not particularly confident that we'll necessarily get someone that we want is because you have to balance that off. You have to take into account the fact that Patrick Bamford is is going to be the starting striker and whoever is coming in is going to have to be happy challenging for that spot or even just being happy with 20 minutes at the end of game so yeah I, I I have no problems with Che Adams whatsoever I think he'd be I think he'd be a good backup player but again I think we're going to end up with Eddie and Ketty all over again aren't we we're going to have um, Adams thinking that he deserves more game time and 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 that's the, that's the long and short of it really
3: Tom, you're back with us, I believe. That was John there, just quite rightly, I suppose, saying that Leeds do need to try and avoid this whole Eddie and Nketiah scenario of that second striker.
5: Eddie couldn't get game time, but the fact is that Leeds now know that the striker they want, the, the person that they want to come in, you mentioned Shea Adams, would be an absolutely perfect fit for what they want. The defensive contribution, he's fit as well. He'll just suit that system and If it comes to game time, Adams played I think it was 41 Premier League minutes between the start of October and Boxing Day. So we talk about how little Eddie and have played. I think he featured in all but three of Leeds' games when he was fit. So he was involved, even if it was from the bench. Adams is definitely going to get more minutes if he does come to Leeds. He's going to get even if it is 20-30 minutes he can kind of provide that role as well that when Bamford needs that bit of time out of the team, when the kind of Goals aren't coming as they have done. Adams can go in because he's fit and he's ready to go in. If he's coming to playing time, he's definitely going to get more at Leeds than he will at Southampton. That's even with some slight involvement over the Christmas period. I think that says to me that the talk of him wanting this move potentially in the uh, this month and his unhappiness at his playing time could well be true if then... Hassan, who all a player who has barely played, he's thrown him in and he's given him starts over Christmas and he's played them in the FA Cup as well. So, if he comes to Leeds, he's definitely going to get more minutes uh, than he would at Southampton, and undoubtedly he's going to probably find his goal in touch again. So, it's a move that just makes a lot of sense, I think, for all parties.
4: I'm just wondering, Tom, what you think? A bad uh, transfer window for Leeds would look like. I think the, obviously every Leeds fan thinks that the, the transfer window is bad, whatever happens, almost, and they they have this sort of perfect idea of what a transfer window should look like. But what do you think Leeds have to achieve in this uh, in this window, and what do you think would uh, would be the, the the worst case scenario? I
5: think the worst case scenario is that a striker doesn't come in, and Leeds are pretty much having to go with Bamford and maybe, um, I'm not sure whether Roberts moves up, Harrison moves across, he tried to play him more centrally last season, that's probably the worst case scenario that a striker doesn't come in but I think there's enough options out there for Leeds particularly at the moment and we keep mentioning Shea Adams but the fact they're not willing to give up on that one says a lot, uh, kind of how the player is uh, and the availability for him. I think that's kind of absolute worst-case scenario. I think that's the one position that you really look at and say, someone has to come in. That could be vital. That could be the extra one goal, two goal, that provides the extra two, four, six points, whatever, across the season that will be the difference. So, for me, the worst-case scenario is Leeds don't get a striker. Leeds do not get someone to come in and compliment Patrick Bamford, not necessarily displace him, someone to come in and, and provide that similar role that, that he does. And they're definitely sounding like a winger's going to come in they're definitely getting a goalkeeper coming in with the whole thing hanging over Kiko off the pitch etc and a potential ban there so it looks like it's shaping up to be a decent window and I think it's just that striker if that striker comes in he could come in Monday and Leeds could shut up shop for the rest of the month nobody really has to go out from the first team nobody else has to come in because these young players as well that he's had last year are really bedded into it and um He's got a decent-looking squad in what is a very inconsistent league, so he's just that striker role. That's got to be the imperative uh, kind of move to be made before the 31st of January.
4: Just a final question from me on Ian Perveda. Um I wondered if you'd seen much of him and, and what your thoughts were, were of the, the rumours around him.
5: Yeah, he's kind of a player that you see glimpses of. Um, he played uh, for City at Burton in their second leg of the uh, Carabao Cup semi-finals last year. I mean, they were, what, 9 a lot was it from the first leg, so it's fair enough that he got uh, a go. But the fact that he was involved in that first team says an awful lot uh, about the player that he is. He's seemingly that type of Bielsa-type forward, can play on the wing, does seem to have the centre-forward role as well that he has played in the past. I wouldn't necessarily say he could probably be a number 10, but as an out-and-out winger, it says it all the fact that Orta and Bielsa do sound like they do like the look of him. His contract's up in the summer, so it's a cheap option as well. But the glimpses that we've seen of him, obviously you kind of see the UEFA Youth League on sometimes when it's on before Champions League games in the afternoon. And he does look a real talent. There does look a player there that that could kind of develop into something really good at Leeds. And you look at Harrison on the other wing at Man City, he's coming pretty good now at the moment. And you're looking at kind of that age that he is currently as well. I think he's 19 at the moment. You really start need to start being involved more in the first team, like a Phil Foden. Otherwise, you're probably not going to make it. So it's a it's a move that does pretty much make sense for Leeds. It might make sense for Man City as well to move him on. But he looks an exciting player, a potential player that goes under the radar. And as a Jack Clark replacement who didn't play much, I think he's going to offer quite a lot for Leeds, uh, particularly off the bench late on in games. It could be that, that, that bit of difference as well. So a good move at, at what you imagine will really be a decent price.
3: Tom, it's been great having you on, boss. Just before you go, you mentioned Kiko Kasia there and the fact that maybe there might be some movement for a goalkeeper in the window. Can you just give us a quick update on Casia and just what we can expect to happen now? I mean, have you heard any developments on this?
5: This is a, a really kind of weird... Case, if you will, in terms of that, the, there seems to be no update. The FA can't provide an update at the moment. Uh, when asked earlier this week, so at the moment, there, there's no suggestion what's going to happen. The charge so long ago um, that it's the, there's nothing clear. Basically, at the moment, there seems to be no suggestion that anything is coming soon. When we're going to get a date of, of a hearing, etc. So, yeah, it's one to watch, but it's one that certainly kind of dragged out, which which doesn't help anyone uh,
3: involved in it. Tom. Thank you very much for joining us. That was Tom Carnduff there, football journalist at Sporting Life, covering Leeds. And he's right about that. Kiko. I just can't believe there's been no update on this, that no one really seems to know what's going on. Yeah. This is
2: bizarre. It's a long, drawn-out process, isn't it? Yeah, it just seems to go on and on and on. I think Leeds have probably contributed to that.
4: I think they, wanna, they wanted to keep Kiko as long as possible over the Christmas period in particular. Uh, they wanted to get to the January window so that they knew what they had to do with it. I think it may be the case that the FA are dragging it on for that reason, and, and saying you know you dragged us on, so we're going to make you sweat a little while before um before we let you know what's going to happen. But yeah, it's something that needs sorting out sooner rather than later.
3: Yeah, yeah certainly does. But <clears throat> big game against Sheffield Wednesday. We're going to be looking ahead to that next here on the Leeds United Fan Show. Love Sport,
1: giving your team a voice. Love Sport Radio the
3: league united fan show here on love spot me matt beadle with john mckenzie from all stats aren't we Rich Hurst joining us in the studio today as well just a very quick update from the premier league which we do not want to dwell on maybe we will next season Mm -hmm. but it is sheffield united nil west ham united nil in the premier league fixture this evening so nothing really to report there however big game coming up for Leeds this weekend, playing Sheffield Wednesday. Of course, the two shared a goalless draw earlier in the season, but Leeds unbeaten in three league games against Sheffield Wednesday. That's a
4: good segue there, because that's Sheffield United, isn't it? You could have said Across on the other side of shit I know you love a good segue uh, you're,
3: you're bang on there mate to be fair and the fact that it's goalless as well it's yeah, exactly. kind of a double whammy segue mm, Yeah, oh,
4: slap on and my also, wrist and oh, also this could have been ours we could have done that as well you know that's the the old Leeds thing could have been Leeds versus West Ham on a cold Friday night in, in January but no no it's not to be all right, this has been a leisure night fan show.
3: We'll see you next week. Cheers. <laughs> see you later. <laughs> Very good, John. You have slapped on my wrist
4: for that, mate. It's too many cornflake clusters. Um. Just, it's just not like you to miss out a it's good not, segue, mate. No, it's not. Crikey. You know I'm a big fan of your segue. <laughs> <laughs> Not
3: the first person who said that to me, John McKenzie. Uh, but listen, Sheffield Wednesday lost three on the bounce. Of course, they are three points, two points adrift, I should say, of those playoff spots. On the line now to talk about the game, we have Elliot Jackson, football Y writer for Reach PLC and creator and host of the Championship Chat podcast. Hello, Elliot. Hi there, how are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. Great to have you on the line. Sheffield Wednesday due to play the table toppers this weekend. Three on the bounce defeats for the Owls. Not the best run at the moment.
6: No, definitely not. Pretty much a nightmare after Christmas rather than before. Um, not a great run for Gary at all. Third after the uh, win over Bristol City just before Christmas and then a nightmare free fixtures
3: away at Stoke and then doubleheader
6: at home to uh, Cardiff and Hull. And it's uh, not been a good run, like you say. You're absolutely spot on.
3: It had been, what, six games without defeat leading up to that. Yes, there was the victory away at Brighton in the FA Cup, which, listen, you've got to take that as a positive, despite the fact that Brighton was slightly depleted, but not massively. That is an upset, of course, can look forward to a game against QPR in the next round. But the fact the boys have been on a relatively decent run after a bit of a blip in October as well, it's been a bit stop-start, hasn't it, this season?
6: Um, it very much has. I think at the start of the season, expectations very much. If they could be in and around the playoffs, which is where they are now, then fans definitely would have took that. Um, certainly after all the, uh, the off-the-field issues with Steve Bruce, leaving, of course just weeks before the start of the season. So I think fans would have took the position they're in now if offered to them. But when you're third in the table and you look at you know, Stoke away on Boxing Day, who of course are uh, in the best of form this season, I think it's fair to say. And Wednesday have got a great record on Boxing Day, generally speaking. So to to concede two late goals, obviously, it's time to lose that one. And then you're thinking, right, time for a reaction. Double-header at home to Cardiff, who've won twice away from, or had won once away from home prior to going to Hillsborough. And then uh, Hull as well, another team that, you know, if you finish in the top six, it's a game at home that you should be winning. And to not pick up any points from those three games I think the disappointment was etched on Gary Mook's face in his post-match press conference from the uh, whole game, just as much as it would be on any supporters.
4: Hi, yeah, it's John here. Um, I just wondered if you had any explanation for for those three games. Do you think was there anything underlying those performances that you maybe expected to come, or was it is it entirely surprise for you?
6: I, I think that the obvious and most glaring difference when you look at the games before is Stephen Fletcher wasn't playing. Mm. Uh, he's been massive for for Wednesday in terms of not only goals, obviously the club's top goal scorer, uh, the second top being three goals, which shows the the over-reliance on a 32-year-old that's out of contract in the summer, but uh, also there's been some issues with the midfield. They've missed Massimo Luongo massively, who's now fit again, came back into the team for Brighton, and he just offers a lot more dynamism compared to Hutchinson, who uh, has been playing alongside Bannon. As good as Hutchinson Hutchinson is for games, pretty much for, for Saturday, for example, at uh, for tough away games, winning the ball back, recycling play, giving it to Bannon. Uh, when you're at home against teams that you should be beating at home, um, he struggles sometimes to to give that dynamism that Luongo does. But up front's been the big one. That's been the problem for Wednesday. They've created too many chances this season and not put them away. And when your second goal's, top goal scorers on three goals, uh, you're always going to have problems when Fletcher's not playing.
2: And Elliot, what's the latest on the... Financial misconduct charge against Wednesday. I'm interested in this because obviously we've been through points deductions. Of at course, and yes. such. Uh, what's the latest? How do you see this panning out?
6: So it's uh, it's very much two to, to organisations in Sheffield Wednesday, of course, and the EFL both think they've got a legitimate case. It's it's going to go to court. I can't see it getting resolved <clears throat> anytime, anytime soon, to be honest. Um, it was a worry when it first came out. Um, especially obviously with what happened to Birmingham last season, getting docked nine points. But the fact that Wednesday, of course, uh, it's a slightly different charge in the fact that what they've done in selling the stadium is not the problem. It's the fact, it's the date of which they've um, put it in. So they put it in the 1718 accounts. But the land registry claims that they sold it a year later, which obviously means it can't go into those accounts, which means they failed financial fair play. By about 30 million, by they've absolutely smashed through it. Uh, the stadium sale was needed in order to, to meet those regulations. So, you, you, you know, it's almost a bit more dodgy in the fact West Birmingham obviously just smashed through FFP Wednesday now and now embroidered in the fact that they've essentially, on some levels, committed fraud a little bit. Not You could argue that yeah. by the fact they put it through a completely different year. Yearbook for the for I don't think it's going to get resolved quick. Wednesday are absolutely adamant that they've done nothing wrong and they've communicated with the EFL all the way through the process and they knew what was going on.
2: Yeah, there was some com- um, there, there was some comparison to the, rec- Derby's uh, stadium, some exactly. the stadium, wasn't it? Yeah,
0: yeah.
6: The, that that's the big difference. What Derby have done is the exact same as Wednesday. So the actual the charge is not about what's been done; it's about when it's been done. Um, in terms of if it's gone through the books the year. The EFL say then Wednesday have absolutely smashed FFP mm-hmm. and therefore get done. Whereas if it goes through when Wednesday have claimed, they've, they've, they've not, they've used the loophole um, to their advantage and, and they wouldn't have broken FFP and committed any um, financial breaches, as the
4: EFL like to, to put it. One more question about the game tomorrow. Um, obviously, Gary Monk has, has preferred playing in a four-four-two in the last, yep. most of the season, but for the last few games in particular. Given that you've got a striker problem, do you expect that he'll switch that to a lone striker he's played four five one I noticed or four a sort of four three three hybrid as well is that what you expect him to do uh, tomorrow um and what sort of um, what will the what will the lineup look like roughly
6: yeah I, I definitely do expect it to be a more four 3 three definitely tomorrow um they are favored four four two. Um, this season, I think it's Gary Monk's favoured formation. It has been when he played at Birmingham, for example, and uh, other places as well. But as you say, with Fletcher out injured, they did go 4 against Brighton in the cup. And the midfield blend of Pellupesi, Luongo and Kieran Lee mm. worked quite well. Um, they, they drew plenty of plaudits from that. I expect Bannon, obviously, to come back into that. But, but there's a few selection dilemmas for him. It's probably the first time this season where... I couldn't... Uh, there's two or three, maybe three or four spots where I couldn't tell you for certainly what the team will be. I think what he does up front will be interesting in terms of whether he goes with Sam Winnell again, Jordan Rhodes, after he knew. He could go with any one of those three realistically. And then um, in midfield, does he put... Oh, Bannon will come back in, I'm pretty sure of that, um, for probably Kieran Lee. And then does he go with Pelly Pessi or Hutchinson as the holding midfielder? And then at, at centre-back as well, they've they've sort of had... Dominic Ayol has been such a revelation breaking through in that position that Tom Lees might not play. He, didn't, he rested it or he didn't play against Brighton. Rest is probably the right word. And of course, the young lad at right back making his debut um, did so well. So does he keep with him? Does he stick with the same back four that kept a clean sheet? Um, so there's there's two or three really key positions for once that are all a bit up in the air. And I suppose that's what happens when you have three defeats on the bounce uh, and you're disappointing. Um, Gary Mump was clearly disappointed Said many times in that press conference after the whole defeat that he had food for thought, and then they go and win away at a Premier League side. Yes, Brighton did make changes, but like you say, it wasn't it wasn't a, it wasn't a shoestring side. They put out. They still had a lot of good players, and they put uh, they made less changes than when did. To be fair, so the, the, there's a few positions up in the air. To be honest, centre half, striker, and and what he does in the centre of midfield.
3: Elliot, you mentioned contracts there with regards to the strikers and Stephen Fletcher. Actually, on Stephen Fletcher, I just very quickly (laughs) want to ask you about this because he looks like a new man. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I know he's had his Barnet done, but he looks like he's been (laughs) down the gym. He's gone, do you know what? I'm what? 32 years old now. I'm going to get myself sorted. And he looks so good. And now the fact that he's not going to be in the side, he's got 12 goals this season, which I think equaled his tally the entire length of last season. It was the magic yeah. number for him in the 2016-17 season. We hope that he's not going to be stuck on, well, Leeds fans might be, but you know, mm-hmm. you hope as a Sheffield Wednesday fan he's not going to be stuck on 12 goals. Is it going to be, what, 10 weeks he's going to be out now? It's going to be a massive loss, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, eight, eight to 10 weeks, yeah.
6: Yeah, absolutely huge. As I said, the um, the, the difference he makes, not just in terms of goal threat, but that's obviously a huge part of it, but just the way that Wednesday played, generally speaking, you you feel a lot, safer when the ball's going up front and you know Stephen Fletcher's there to hold it up um, and it, it allows, he it, it makes up for a lot of the flaws that the other strikers when they've got, when they've got a lot of options up front but they don't have a great deal of quality which has been the problem with recruitment and um, they've sort of been lumbered with all these strikers and but they, they really need a striker which is a weird dilemma to be when you think of the, uh, the, the the sheer numbers they've got in that area but Fletcher's Fletch been brilliant as you say you're absolutely right, he's out of contract in the summer it's, it's been the best Year even calendar year, um, he, he was good for the back end of last season as well under Steve Bruce. It's been the best calendar year of his career, certainly since Wolves the Wolves days where he, he hit 13 goals. I think it was you Ryan saying it in the Premier League for them, um, and he's he's been fantastic. And obviously with his contracts up in the summer, I would personally give him another year. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't give him more than another year because generally speaking, this has been a bit of an anomaly season for me. he has not hit those numbers generally. But he's, he's a man in form, and if he can come back towards the back end of the season when they aren't too far away, then he'll make a real impact. And, and that's why there's such an importance on them getting someone in in January.
3: Elliot, it's been great having you on. Thank you for coming on this evening. Just before you go, a score prediction, mate. How's it going to go?
6: Uh, sad to say this, but I think Leeds will, will edge it 2-1. There's not been a lot of goals, generally speaking, between the two teams when they played. Obviously, Neil Mill back at Hillsborough in October or whenever it was. But um, I think Leeds will edge it, so I'm going to go for a 2-1 win to Leeds.
3: Lovely stuff. That was Elliot Jackson there, football wire writer for Reach PLC and creator and host of the Championship Chat podcast. He's firmly in the Leeds corner, gents. Yeah,
2: yeah. That's, that's <laughs> good coming from a Chef Wednesday fan, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Pretty confident about tomorrow.
3: By the way, they're without a clean sheet as well in their last 12 away league visits to Leeds. So the signs do bode well.
4: Well, I don't think those in glass houses should be throwing stones, right? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I hope they concede, but we're not exactly looking like keeping clean sheets either at the moment. So,
3: No, absolutely not. Well, OK, it's my favourite part of the show. Next, listener questions.
1: Love Sport Radio, the station giving fans a voice.
3: It's the I Fan Show here on Love Sport. We have got about 10 minutes left, and it is time for your listener questions. Rich... Big part of the show, this mate. I tell you what, yeah, no holds it. barred, John McKenzie, for the <laughs> for the listeners' questions. Um We are going to start with a question on Shay Adams. This is from the Young Peacock. Shay Adams on loan with a mandatory buy clause of fifteen million pounds. Good business or bad business? Now I know we spoke about this with Tom Carnduff earlier on, but John,
4: yeah, I think, I, I included this question because it I mean that that's the rumor. The rumor is if Shay Adams does come, it will be a loan to buy. Uh, 15 million pounds that will mean that uh, come the summer we'll have to pay 15 million pounds for shea adams 15 million pounds for Helder costa which is fine if you go up into the premier league but if you don't you are in the championship with 30 million pounds of debt hanging over you and potentially two players who probably expected to be in the premier league so i look is it good business or bad business i don't know maybe it's somewhere in the middle um I don't know whether or not that will end up putting Leeds off. I don't know. Um, I, I, I was surprised that we went for Costa in the... Well, I wasn't surprised, but I thought, you know, he's the big signing. You know, you, you do that uh, and then you and then you think about the next season... In, in the summer following but um, if they do go for it they're going for it and then and that you know that always comes at a, a potential risk that is you know you end up with 30 million pounds and two unhappy players in the championship the next season
2: yeah I agree with John the answer probably lies somewhere in the middle I would have thought um but watching Marcelo Bielsa's press conference the other day there seems to be a bit of urgency with needing the striker to come in which was an, is unusual for Bielsa because he's not quite laid back um and as we were saying earlier, you know, we, we haven't got a backup. I think we've got Edmondson in the under-23s. But apart from that, we haven't got an out-and-out striker. So mm. it's a necessity. So I think that's the reason why we're going to go for him. Yeah. So yeah. I think all you
1: you do,
4: you do get rinsed when you when you leave something as late as the January transfer window. You know that your feet are being held over the fire, and, and there's not a lot you can do. And I guess the, the the you know this is what I've been saying all the way through. The, the January transfer window is is a time for desperation. Like you don't, you, there's no good transfers really that get done. There's not there's not intelligent squad building that's done in January. Anything that's done in January is usually to fill holes that you should have filled in the summer, or you've been unlucky uh, to not keep up. So. For me, the, the the risk is is our own fault. We should have perhaps managed the Eddie and Ketter situation better. We should maybe have gone for someone who wasn't Eddie and Ketty, We should maybe have gone for someone permanent. Um, all of these things are now. You know, these are the questions that people are asking about the current state of, of football. You know. Big big clubs just being able to do what they want with clubs further down the ladder and loan loan players out and and then just expect them to come back and they they seem to think that you know they hold all the cards in these <coughs> of, uh, relationships so it's it's a tough one um, I think it's probably not good business but I yeah like like Rich says what can you do you're not in a position to be able to do good business so. OK,
3: well, Rich, Billy Reid, to be fair, has asked, with regards to all this transfer speculation, do you think Leeds needs to sign anyone this window? Or do you think fans, like yourselves, are needlessly worrying?
2: I'm unsure. I mean, the, the, if you look on Twitter at the moment, it, we're, we're making comparisons to last January, where, again, we were top of the league at Christmas. We didn't make any signings, and, and look what happened. So... You know, we need to learn from the past. I th- I think we do certainly need a striker. The the other signings coming in, the wingers and such, seem to be building more for a future, whether that's in the Championship championship or the Premier League. Um, but yeah, w- certainly the striker, that-, that needs to be solved. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think the comparison is only to last Jan.
4: I think I, I agree with that. I think, yeah, it's, you know, we could go up without making any transfers, but... You don't want to get to a point where you don't go up and then look back and think we could have done something more. Um, And that's the issue with with the lack of striker. We we, we don't want to be getting by with playing a Tyler Roberts who seems to only be able to last four games um, as a striker or Jack Harrison who's been playing fantastically on the left hand side playing as a striker. We've, we had questions on our podcast this week about whether or not Leeds could do something like Man City did when they played against Man United, having two sort of false nines in the in the shape of uh, Kevin De Bruyne and Bernardo Silva. We don't have the players to really be able to do that. I don't, we don't we don't have the midfielders to be able to do that, let alone um, good enough midfielders to play like that. So, I do, yeah, we need to get someone in and I suspect that if we don't get Shea Adams, we're not going to get someone that anyone's happy with. But if we do go with Shea Adams, then you play you pay that premium, don't you? That's that's the thing. So mm. I think we do need to get probably a striker just to be safe, but um, you know that striker could come could come in and barely do anything for the team and they still and we still go up you know it's, it's one of those funny things tough one
3: tough situation there another tough situation is with the return of pablo and shackleton as a backup presumably they take dallas's place in midfield so who john who gets dropped do you move dallas to left back or bench him that's from joe hill
4: yeah, this is a, an interesting one. Not, not to mention the fact that Forshaw is is back in training now. Forshaw is obviously going to have a slower return than someone like Shackleton, I think. Partly because Shackleton's younger, but partly because Shackleton hasn't been out for so, as as long. Um, but yeah, if you if you have if you have for sure Shackleton playing, um, Dallas is out of the midfield, where do you put him? I'd be tempted to keep things the way they are at the moment uh, in terms of the, the full-backs. I think Barry Douglas was excellent against Arsenal. Um, I think he's clearly been working hard to get back in the team. Um, some of the signs were there for me that he was working on things that I was worried about. I think he was really good in build-up play for Leeds. He was good under pressure against Arsenal. Um and I, I think he's probably. I mean, he's our he's our best left back in in, in the classic sense of the term. So I, I wouldn't want to see him displaced. Luke Ayling, I think, is is perfect for for that for what he does. That's the, that's his job. He's excellent in that position, and I wouldn't like to see him out of the team. So I guess my answer would be yeah, you drop Dallas um, from the. In the field. And I think that that will not be very popular with Leeds fans because a lot of Leeds fans think he's been Leeds' best player this season. But I think the reason he's been Leeds' best player is because he's just such a good utility player. Uh, and so you, you sort of have a slightly different um, ca- categories by which you judge them. But I would, yeah, I think I would just, I'd definitely bring in a midfielder for Dallas. Um, yeah.
3: OK. Rob has come in with one, Rich. I like this one. <laughs> is our poor record in London due to small pitches
2: is this a thing small smaller pitches in yeah. London when I read this question uh, I didn't realize that was a thing but uh, maybe I, need I to remember I mean Highbury
3: so. back in the day of course they they prided themselves on the fact that they gained an advantage yeah. because it was a lot tighter a lot smaller yeah. I didn't realize that it was still now a thing
4: I think I guess maybe London pitches there's space is a bit more of a premium and premium in London right so it makes sense that the pitches would be slightly smaller but whether or not that's the reason why Leeds play badly I'm not entirely sure um I think we we do manipulate space well, so we maybe don't get quite as much an upside, but I don't think there would be a downside necessarily to having a smaller uh, pitch. It's not like we would be more vulnerable. We we maybe... Probably slightly creating slightly fewer chances or slightly fewer good chances, but I think that partly the issue with London is that you know it's it's a long trip to to yeah. London. Um, you you have to stay away for for a night probably or or maybe even two, and I think um, as a result of that, just the disruption probably does for them. But
2: yeah, I agree. It's, it is very strange, you know, and a bit of an anomaly. Um, maybe a bit of a curse. Who knows? But. Yeah, I think we'll get some results down there. We've got Brentford and QPR coming up, so maybe we can break that cursor.
3: Yeah, big game against Brentford. They are buzzing about that one. Yeah, Might go along to that one, in fact, at Griffin Park. <laughs> um, fellas, Billy Reed. I think we're going to finish on today because we're nearing the end of the show. And this fits in nicely because you did play Arsenal on Monday. He has asked, which players in the Leeds team right now do you think would start regularly in the Premier League? Rich?
2: That's a good question. Um Stuart Dallas is one of my favourite players. I wouldn't have said the same thing last year. Um but he'd be certainly the first person who I think could play in the Premier League. Um apart from that I'd say Ben White, uh, possibly Helder Costa. Um I mean honestly I think we also will take them all um if we were to get promoted. Um but yeah, certainly Stuart Dallas and Calvin Phillips are my two. Yeah.
4: yeah. I'd probably I'd probably add Pablo Hernandez simply because He's played there, for, <laughs> played yeah. there for a, a lot of years, and was was very good. Um, I think Jack Car- Jack Harrison, I think would be, yeah. I think he will be shown to be a good uh, player in in the Premier League. It was interesting. I think what I found most interesting about us playing Arsenal was that, as you as you mentioned, you know we're used to playing teams who sit back against us and are, are quite cloggy in terms of defence, and Arsenal were a bit more open against us, and it really brought out the best of our of our team. So, I think that we'll be surprised at how good we look in the Premier League because. The teams who try and teams won't be expecting us to come and play really nice. I mean, they will, but they won't. They won't actually take it seriously enough to do anything about it, and we'll 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 look good. I think. Yeah.
3: Okay, gents, it's been a thoroughly enjoyable show. It's been thoroughly enjoyable having you back in the studio, Rich. Nothing Thank but you. a pleasure. I guess we just finish on one, a prediction on tomorrow's game, and two, uh, just where you're at now, because I know you said if we get promoted to the Premier League on a few occasions, now nine points clear still. At the top of the championship, after that festive period, are we are we good? Are we okay? Are we still confident that promotion is finally going to happen?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm more confident than I was this time last year, um, mainly because of the points difference um, in the table. Um, but we know if there's one club that can mess it up, it's Leeds. Um, so we've always got that in the back of our heads as fans. So, um, but yeah, I am I am quietly confident. Uh, nine points is is a great gap, and uh, yeah, it's 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 ours to lose as such. I think. Yeah, and, and t- in terms of predictions for tomorrow, I think it's Leeds win um, two or three nil. No, I would say nice.
4: Yeah. yeah, I think the next the next period is probably the big period for Leeds. I think if we can if we can make that buffer bigger, um, that, that coming out of the next five or six games, I think that will be that will be setting us up excellently for the rest of the season. Um,
3: Everybody wants a bigger buffer.
4: Yeah, no, of course, of course. Um, but you know, I think this is this is where we started. Well. This is this is perhaps where we started to struggle last season. I think it would be nice for us to, to actually come out of the the December period, which, as you said, it wasn't ideal for us. We've got a few players coming back. Um, it would be great to have Adam Shaw, Adam Forshaw and Jamie Shackleton back if we get them back. And then and then we can really start looking as controlling as we were at the beginning of the season. And I feel very confident that we, we've, we're in a good position. I think a lot of the reason why... The fact that we went through December and ended up um, coming out on top was really big because we, we were missing players, so yeah. And tomorrow, two one leads.
3: Two one leads. Lovely stuff. Gents, it's been great having you here. We'll be back next Friday, eight PM here on Love Sport Leeds United fan show. We'll see you then.
1: Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news, and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter.